Welcome to the Speaking Light into Abortion podcast, where I talk about all the reasons it's possible for you to thrive after your abortion. I'm your host, Amanda Kingsley, and two years after my own abortion, I certified as a life coach so I could serve women after abortion in all the ways they've been deserving and lacking for centuries. Consider this your launchpad for finding strength and community in yourselves and in each other. Hey, before we start the episode, I just want to pop in because it is the end of another calendar year. And you may be one of those people who could care less. It's just a number on a made-up system. And you may be one of those people who feels the feels around that. What does it mean to enter another calendar year? What does it mean um, to look at that transition and think, who am I? What do I want next? Um, What have I created? How do I want to start pulling together the pieces of my life to um, keep creating a future that I can thrive in? And so a lot of you are here because you've had abortions. And I just want to remind you that I think our abortions are an Uh, just most incredible fertile soil for us to build a life on. It's a place where we can gather um, so much realization about ourselves and our lives and what we want to create in the world. And there is no work that feels more special to me than being able to work with clients one-on-one to look through um, your abortion stories and pull out the parts of them that make you who you are, that show you who you are, that let you become who you want to be. So I just want to um, remind everyone that I am available for one-to-one coaching. I have spots open this December, which means you can get started before the new year. And really turn 2023 into um, the beautiful story you want it to be. I'm not going to tell you it's easy, um, but it is worth it. It it really truly is. Um, understanding yourself through your abortion stories is a total game changer. And with that, um, here's today's episode. so fun today's gonna be fun um a colleague of ours lizzie just said maybe you saw it it was lisa sharp she said what surprises people um once they get in your coaching container or something i'm totally like summarizing the question i have no idea what it was but i know that my answer was (laughs) i just did it my answer was i laugh a lot even when we're talking about hard things and i i mean i think that's evident in the podcast too is like just because we're here to talk about abortion, which includes grief and shame and guilt and like loss and all the things like I laugh a lot. So um, we're going to have fun today and we're going to talk about some of the things that bring us bring us joy, even even in hard times. So La- laughter has been <laughs> one of my most saving graces, right? Like I used to say that I grew up on a steady diet of Saturday Night Live and like Comedy Central. And someone once said, like, I think you're so funny because you've had a lot of, I had a lot of loss in life. And that was like one way to really, you know, cope and remind my 
body that I'm safe and, yeah. and to have. So, yeah. And I think I told you when we were in Sedona, like I had a woman say that I laughed a lot on my podcast. <laughs> and I was like, well, whatever was something yeah. wrong with that. So I know, right. Like sometimes I laugh because it's healing. Sometimes I laugh because I'm uncomfortable. It, sometimes I laugh because it's funny. Like none sometimes of it matters. It's a connection point, right? But like I, if we can laugh together and you know, that having different points of view or something like that's a connection piece. Yeah. Laughter is, is very healing. And I would say like with that question kind of on the flip side of it is that I, I come across as so joyful and all that. And that I also really hold space mm -hmm. in my own life and for people that I work with for really heavy, heavy shit as well. Whereas I think people assume like, I don't know, with positive psychology, like it's just happyology. And you're like, yeah, I'm I like I write comedy and I do funny things, but I know also, some of the stuff you shared with us. I was like, oh my god, she's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> or crazy, whatever. Crazy. But so but to fun. say like anyway. I think people are surprised that I'm like, yeah, there's a lot of depth here. And I've had a yeah. really, you know, a story, a challenging story at times. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, we haven't even introduced you, but obviously the <laughs> audience knows that we have some history together. Um, it's funny, actually, I'm recording three podcast episodes today, and I don't really know how that happens, but it's great. Um, and you'll laugh at this. I'm going to have to put these out in this order now. But the one I recorded this morning was um, someone who reached out to me while we were in Sedona and oh. said, can I come on your podcast? and talk about building friendships, which how sure. funny is that? Like, I wish you all could have just seen Lizzie's face because, and this was before my whole, my whole gig Epiphany around, around friendships and movies and hotels. Exactly. So anyway, I don't, I don't know. That is so headed, awesome. But I was like, how is this even happening? <laughs> everything is so beautifully divinely led if we let it unfold um but yeah so we haven't even introduced you but obviously to the listeners Lizzie and I um know each other and we know each other through um a business mastermind that we're in we just were in Sedona together um I will now have to release that friendship episode before this <laughs> one because it's just so hilarious um <laughs> But Lizzie, why don't you introduce yourself to this audience in the way that feels right for you today? And then we'll keep diving into the juicy good stuff. Sure. So I'm I'm Lizzie LaRock and I have a program that I like to say it's online and in the wild. So it's an online program, but in the wild of your own life called The Life Feast. And I it's my mashup of curiosity, awe, joy, mindfulness, play, adventure, and creativity. So I'm certified as a life coach. And then I'm also certified in applied positive psychology. And, um, my it, positive psychology is really, as I said, it's, it's not this people might assume, you know, with, with me, when I speak about it, that it's like this superficial happyology and it's not, it's about resilience and being able to bend instead of break when, when mm -hmm. things are hard and to, prioritize what's good in life because we have a lot of you know hard wiring as to why we remember what's what's crappy in and challenging in in life and um 
so there's, I, I love the science. It's like the science of flourishing, thriving and getting unstuck. And my passion, I am a photographer and a writer. I identify as a creative. Uh, so my pathway to flourishing in my life based program is really through creativity. And mm -hmm. I love to teach that. And I work with people one-on-one -on -one as well. And yeah, that's, I love it. I am in the life feast and have just found it to be so like powerfully, but subtly shifting. Like I just sent you a picture yesterday where I was like, I did. look what my daughter did. I was like, <laughs> did you tell her to do a ceiling self? I, I love that. Not. She's never even heard me talk about it. And then the airplane one, I was like, oh, yeah. yeah. So Amanda. it's really fun. And, and another thing I love is, um, I was talking to another coach just in a brief messenger chat this morning about how we can use thought work against ourselves mm -hmm. and we can yeah. get so in our heads. And like, if I just find the right thoughts, if I just find the right things to believe, if I just focus in the right place. And I think this can happen in the misunderstanding around positive psychology too, is like, if I just focus on the positive, yeah. um, and find the what, silver lining. What's the bright yeah, side? Like, no. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, yes and no. <laughs> yeah. And so what I said to her today is like, sometimes we just have to get way the fuck out of what to believe and what to think and what to feel and just do like, go yes. do like get yeah. yourself out in nature, take a pretty picture, go to a dance class. And I think that's the thing I love Mer about and and guess what it does? It changes the thoughts and feelings. <laughs> yep. But instead of sitting at home and beating yourself over the head with your journal or your therapist or your coach, like just get out there and do like change the thoughts and feelings through your action, through your circumstance. If you're out in nature, you're, you're naturally going to have different thoughts and feelings. If you're looking for a creative angle to take a photo, you're naturally going to have different thoughts and feelings. And so that's just what I love about the yeah. life. Like it is the doing that leads to now in my mind, the, the combination is like, we, we change the way we look and see the world. It brings our attention to new thoughts and feelings. And then like, that's where there's some good work to be done. It's not like you can, it's a difference between avoiding all your thoughts and feelings with dance class yeah. and using <laughs> dance class right. to numb out or yourself and your thoughts and feelings and give yourself a little reprieve, a little breathing room, a little space. Um, yeah. I mean, it's amazing. Yeah. I was thinking of like, um, the Marie Kondo book, you know, the life-changing magic of whatever, tidying up. Tidying. And I was thinking like, it's like the life-changing magic of going for a walk. Like yeah. it's a, it's an yeah. amazing of thing. Taking and, a picture. <laughs> and I think that the, the, the thought piece is just to, to know, it's like, it's a mindfulness practice of just being aware of, okay, I'm thinking really shitty thoughts right now. And I can't even get to that place of like a higher upgraded, you know, thinking. So I am going to go take myself for a walk. And there's a couple things that happen with that, that, that I love. Like I actually have a whole podcast of like five different walks that you can take to boost your creativity because, you know, some there's, 
there's just the beauty of connection and, and calming yourself down and being able to process through things. But there's also like in your brain, this, this brain derived neurotrophic factor is increased when you are moving your body. And when you sit for more than 20 minutes, it goes down. And in the psychology, you know, research that they, they refer to it have colloquially, colloquially, can't say that word <laughs> as miracle grow for your brain. So mm. when you do need to, to come up with, re, you know, other solutions or creatively problem solve or any kind of problem solve, like you are able to access better parts of that process when you move your body a bit. So I came up with this, um, well, there was a couple of things I wanted to say on that. So I came up with this photo walk guide during the pandemic of, of being like, wow, we're all struggling right now and locked in our houses. And what's one of the tools that I'm using to get out of my own head and to get, you know, have this saving grace. And it was these photo walks that I was going for, just yeah. going out in the neighborhood and walking and finding, you know, I teach photography in this way of like finding a new perspective, getting up above it, getting down below, getting up close, getting far away. And when you think about problems in your life in that same way of like get getting a new perspective in your own, you know, are you too close to it? Or do you need to back up a little bit, bigger picture, all puns intended, that it's really helpful to, yeah. to do that. So that's why I love that um, the photography piece can be this application of the work in this fun way. And then the other thing I wanted to share is that, um, you know, there's the flow state that we go into with, with creativity and the flow state was actually studied again during the, the, early quarantine days of like over 5,000 people in China in those early, really strict lockdowns. And what they found is that people who are really struggling with things who were doing creative projects, like I joke, like these might've been the sourdough bread starter people. But <laughs> yeah. I was like, that just seems really hard. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to yeah. do that. I'll go for a photo walk. But that being engaged in something is like this optimal state of being. You can't be in it all the time. Um, but it's, it's, it's mindfulness without effort. And it's, it is yeah. like, there's so much meaning and fulfillment to that and we don't do it enough. So it is a tool for, for the, the tough times that we don't yeah. think about. Yeah. Yeah. Like, can you create relief with your thoughts, with your journaling, with your mind? Yes. Might it be easier to create relief by going on a walk? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it might. I don't know. It depends on the situation. It depends on the thing. But I love that, like, just being engaged in something is this breath of fresh air. It's yeah. Like, oh, okay. Change of state. I can breathe. I can notice. And I think what I love about your group is that it didn't used to be, I mean, I used to be the one carrying around the like gigantic camera with all the lenses, right? You probably too. were too. I like, you know, take it to everything I went to. And we all now have these like insanely easily, like, yeah. like how many people have cameras on their phones that they've never even thought how to be creative with? Like it's in your hand already. Yeah. You don't have to go out and do some new fancy game equipment changer. like yeah so I I love how I mean I'm a photo person but I love how accessible 
opening your creative mind is through your phone. (laughs) Yeah, me too. And it's interesting when I think about my own sort of like pathway with, with creativity growing up, like I was always a theater kid and loved music and that, that kind of thing. But as I got into like high school and just was having a lot of teenage angst and, and like drama in my own head, not drama on the stage. Um, I took a photography class and it was a darkroom photography class and I would go, you had to, you had a 35 millimeter roll of film, right? Yeah. So you had like 24 exposures on it. So, and it was such a pain in the ass to develop it and took so much time that like you would shoot the whole thing in one go. So I, that's where I like developed these photo walks initially of n- develop, you know, not, not realizing that's what I was doing. Um, and then spending time in the dark room of like, oh, kind of that flow state as I was talking about again, of like, it was this really like, get out of my head of what's going on, not to numb out or zone out, like you said, but to just give myself this, this reprieve and create something. And then I studied photography in college and then, and then I, I quit. Like I had like a 10 year gap that I didn't, because it was too much of a pain to, you know, bring a camera everywhere. And I didn't have a dark room and all that. And then, um, I took, uh, I came back to photography before the iPhone, um, right before we adopted my twins as I had been through like three years of really painful losses in a different sort of journey of an infertility journey. And then took this photography class to, as a balm for my own soul of just after so much difficulty. And, um, and then the iPhone, I think was invented about like three, maybe three years later. And I, you know, because then I had little kids and I'm like, I don't have time to, I don't have room to bring this giant camera around. And, um, and I was like, oh my gosh, like this phone is a game changer. Like I could have my creativity back and be a busy human and still, you know, you don't have to like bust. I say like, you don't have to bust out the paints on the side of the road and a whole easel and everything. You can have these moments in your day that are creative and build that resilience and ability to navigate uncertainty and all these beautiful things that creativity does for us, but in, in shorter snippets in life. And there's art in the everyday everywhere. Mm. Yeah. Even on the worst days. Have I ever told you that I grew up with a dark dark room in my basement? No. So that I have one in our like, bathroom. Your That's whole awesome. experience is very resonant. Like, oh. And, uh, you know, the I got the dark room running again in high school and like, but just that you're in the dark, often with people who you have some kind of deep connection with or want to have some kind of deep connection yeah. with. <laughs> And you're watching magic unfold. Like it's, it's, it's a, like a wild, spiritual experience. It, it was a spiritual experience. <laughs> While you're sort of like high on weird chemicals. You're like, oh my and God. I might have felt a little loopy after a while. I'm sure. But that uh, shit was so bad for us, but it was amazing. It was amazing. It was amazing. It was it my favorite me through thing. a lot of hard times. Like me too. definitely mine wasn't directly related to grief, but, um, just the awkwardness of being a teenager and yeah yeah me too social it was like just just drop it into the dark room yeah everything kind of zeroes in and shuts down and and just playing with how can I make this unfold in a different way um so I, I love that and yeah now we can do it 
on our phones. In our yeah, it's, it's, really fun. it's spectacular. Okay, let's go to the heavy stuff. Okay. Um, the heavy stuff that we're both going to laugh about anyway. Um, <laughs> we'll make inappropriate <laughs> jokes as one would when course. talking about really difficult subjects. Um, so the people who are listening, um, who, you know, are coming into, into finding a podcast like mine because of states of grief and shame and guilt and this huge, I think the question I wrote down that just feels so important connected to your work is like who am I like so many people after abortion and you can probably relate after some of your own losses it's like who even am I Mm. and using creativity again to figure out who you are I think that's such an important part of this conversation for us but at the same time I think what stops us is I don't deserve joy. Mm. I don't like myself. I don't want to know who I am. I'll never get over this. Like, who am I? I'm dark. Who am I? I'm broken. Who am I? Right. And so this is just too sad to be creative. This is just too sad to experience yeah. joy. I don't deserve it. So all of that, I think a core question we ask ourselves after abortions after any loss is like, who am I now? Like, who yeah. am I? Who am I if I can't have a pregnancy I want to have, right? If I'm struggling with fertility, who am I if I lose my child? Who am I if I, um, but what stops us from figuring out who we are, <laughs> are all those icky thoughts. And so yeah. we don't step into the creativity. We, mm-hmm. we like, put up a roadblock between what we deeply want to know and finding it because we don't think we deserve it or we don't think, well, it's possible. So go. <laughs> I was like, okay. So the existential crisis of, of humanity, let's exactly. go, Lizzie, what's your answer? Like, exactly. Who am I? Um, still figuring that one out, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it remind what came up for me as you were sharing that were, were two things. Um, and one is that I feel like art and creativity puts us in that place of expressing what's inside of us that we can't put the words to, mm-hmm. right? That like it moves us emotionally. And that's what's so that's what's so amazing about art. And that it's like, yeah, like I could tell you about the science of the flow state from the the early lockdowns, but you're like, there's this piece of when you, when you hear a piece of music or you hear a poem or you hear those things, when you have experienced loss, that suddenly makes sense of the noise in your head in a way that, that you couldn't have, I, I couldn't have gotten to without the art. There's a beautiful Ted talk um, by Ethan Hawke mm-hmm. of like why we need creativity. And he, he says something of basically like, like we think it's a soup. I'm going to paraphrase here, but it's like this, you think of it as this like superfluous, nice to have. And then somebody dies and you turn to poetry or you turn to a song or you turn mm-hmm. to something mm-hmm. that really, you know, I remember a friend in college who a very close friend who had had an ab- abortion and she was devastated by it. And she would listen to a certain song like over and over again mm. to like be with that grief, be in that moment 
to just connect to what she couldn't put to words to, to all of us. And to say like, we, you know, I, I struggle constantly with like, okay, how do I sort of connect my head to my heart and just not just cut myself off with just the noise in my head. And, um, and I think we do that. The other piece that came up for me, and that is something that I do a lot with, you know, creativity brings up a lot of shit in people too, of like, Oh, what? Do, where do I feel inadequate or right. ashamed of? You know, Brene Brown calls it like art scars that you have from childhood. Of of and we carry this stuff with us in a lot of ways. And one of the things that I teach both in my coaching and in the life feast is just self compassion and to say, like some of the I think the earlier coaching models sort of skip that piece. Like, yeah, just think better thoughts instead of being like, can you be with that? that person who, who made that difficult choice and, and have self-compassion. And then, you know, in the way that, that I teach self-compassion comes from Kristen Neff's work, but it's like the first step is to really be with yourself and that, that self-compassion piece. And then the second step is to connect to others who are also struggling from a similar loss. And I like to say like, it's never too diminish yours to say like, oh, but you didn't have it so bad. It's their worst problems in the world. You should just be grateful. Don't feel sorry for yourself. Instead, instead it's using it to connect and have compassion for all of us, no matter what we're going through. And then the, the third step is to have some perspective, like, okay, you know, maybe that is where you think about where you are resourced and, and good things in, in life. So again, like I said, it's never to, I think that's the, that's the misnomer around positive psychology that you're going to be like, oh, you don't have it so bad. Like you have all these other things to be grateful for instead to be like, can you just be with this, this, you know, permission to be human is, is what we say. And like the complexity and nuance and whole beautiful mess of being a human, yeah, trying to human. <laughs> it is a mess, isn't it? It is. You're like, yeah, it's a shit show, you know? <laughs> So who that that's I guess that's my existential answer to, yeah. to that of some things I noted as you were talking were um when we talk about having compassion for ourselves and being with ourselves, what's beautiful about art in the form of poetry or music, or it's probably why I wrote my book all in poems, um poetry or music or a photograph or a painting is it's really hard to look yourself in the mirror and have compassion. But if you can see yourself in the poetry, in the art, in the music and be with that, like you are being with yourself. It's just like kind of like pulling it just far enough away that you can like see yourself in something instead of seeing yourself in yourself. Cause that's really yeah. hard. It's really yeah, like hard. Art that is the most moving is when someone is sharing their personal, you know, experience that other people can connect to. Right. And that, that experience that you thought that you were so alone in or so shameful for like, that is 
you know, it's that Leonard Cohen, like the, the cracks, like that's where the, the light comes in. And that I like to say too, like those cracks are our connection points, our vulnerabilities, yes. like the things that we go through in life. Like if we just sit here and I don't know, talk about our mutual love of movies or whatever, it's like, yeah, well, that's not like our connection is in, in having a much more vulnerable conversation. That's what, that's what lasts. Yeah. So the other thing I wrote down that similar is the art creativity connects us to things and feelings that we don't have words words yeah. for. Because a lot of times like a therapist or a coach guilty as charged will ask you a question that, the, you know, when asked a question, the way to answer is in words, but we don't yeah. always have words. Yeah. And so, we live in our head. Right. And yeah. they like, okay, how do we like chiropractically adjust to be like, I want to also line up my, my heart. And I think art speaks to that piece. That's the, yeah. where you're like, oh, and I don't have to have language for it. Like, you know, when a song or a poem or piece of art, like hits you in like, get you yeah. here yeah. yeah, rather than like intellectually. Yeah. And I, I just think we spend so much time underestimating that. Yeah. So this and, is and the podcast to bring you back to it. <laughs> yeah. And I'll just speak to the like, and it, for me, it really like it, it really was in my early thirties when I came back to art, right? Like I'd taken this hiatus, this 10 year hiatus, it came from massive losses in, in, infertility and, um, and, and struggling with that. And, and then, you know, we, ad I'm an adoptive mom. I'm a very pro-choice, uh, pro-abortion adoptive mom of twins who turned 17 today. Um, <gasps> I know, isn't that Yay. amazing? And, um, but I think as I, I shared with you, like I experienced a miscarriage and had a DNC, I experienced an ectopic and had to have emergency surgery. Like I, I can't even, um, yeah, there's, that's a whole separate conversation, right. Of the discourse today of, of where, um, where some people feel on this, like I, I 1000% pro-choice, um, but I was struggling with my own losses and devastation around that and came back to art. And I remember I was filling out the adoption paperwork and that whole process. And my mom was like, well, you need to get on that. Like you need to finish that or something. And I was like, no, I'm taking a seven day long photography boot camp that was like sunrise to sunset. I was like, I need this. I just, I don't know why, but I know that I need to go do this again. And I was so grateful to myself that like factored in creative self-care in, in the whole healing piece of that, of, of all these losses. And then when my kids were, you know, so we adopted these twin newborn twins. And when they were toddlers, my husband was really struggling with addiction and mm. he then had addiction issues. And then he had like six surgeries over a course of seven years. And we had a restaurant that was like a 300 seat rowdy bar, live music, crazy ass restaurant. And so it like, shit hitting the fan was an understatement in my life. And, um, I, I should say my husband now a million years later is uh, a licensed psychotherapist for people with addiction and depression. He's an amazing guy. He's been sober a very long time. Um, but in those early days when life yeah. was falling apart for me, 
actually went and took a creative writing class, which seems like the most asinine thing to do <laughs> I love it. in the midst of like, the house is on fire. Let's go to, yeah. you know, but it was like, I you know made, made sure that I had childcare for the kids and like everything yeah. arranged, yeah. but just knowing like, I need this. Like I need mm-hmm. to just go and write and cry and laugh and express and just put some things out there. And I didn't tell anyone could be because creativity as a self-care method is not something that cult is culturally accepted, yeah. right? Like it's, it's not thought of. And it was interesting because it was actually my therapist who ran the group and I'd gone to her for a couple of years. And then she was like, what do you think about joining my creative writing group? Like it's this it's, it's a healing, it was a healing group. It wasn't meant to be like, here's how to publish your fiction book or, or whatever. Yeah. It was meant as a, as a healing journey. And it was like the best friggin' thing yeah. I had done for myself. And then in later years of finding like comedy writing and then creating the life feast to say like, I want to bring these tools to others because I know that when life felt the most, the most difficult and addiction and stuff brings its own shame, um, you know, its own, that it, that it shouldn't, yeah, it right? Just like with abortion, like it Stay shouldn't, <laughs> but it, but it does. So dealing with my secrecy and shame and I mean, infertility too, shame and shame. Yeah. 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 Yeah, exactly. And, and mother's guilt. Something's and, like, I'm broken. I mean, Something's wrong with me. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Like those really helpful thoughts. <laughs> come up. Yeah. Yeah. I love, sometimes I'll do an exercise with clients where you know, they're in a feeling and I just say like, what does it look like as a painting? Like, what are the colors in it? What's the, is it watercolor? Is it oil? Is it like, or what does it look like, like a photograph or what does it look like? Like, a? and so you can get to that creative practice, even just in your mind. Like if it were a sculpture, what would it look like? Um, Or you can also get your hands in there and go take a pottery class, go take a, um, and and my favorite is my favorite thing in, in creating in photography. Like I joke that, you know, I live in Colorado where it's like these beautiful mountains and beautiful scenery everywhere. And I am the person like on the sidewalk taking a picture of a crack in the sidewalk, right. which I think is really telling. <laughs> yeah. Like it's really, and it's really telling about like my, my eye, right. Like that I, I am like trying, I'm creating beauty out of the things that maybe aren't thought of traditionally as, as beautiful and the, and to say like, how can we turn this into something that really, you know, is, is something so interesting and lovely to look at that maybe you would have glossed over and thought like, no, 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 that's icky. That's I've taken photos of garbage cans of all these things. Like, yeah, there's, there's truly beauty in everything. I can tell you, I have photos to prove it. And all of these things in our lives that create grief, that create pain, um, that create identity crisis, like they're there, like they're not going to go away. So we might as well play with what's the creative expression of them. What's the creative healing in them? Um, what do we have to lose? Yeah. Nothing. They're, it, they're not going to disappear if we <laughs> just avoid seeing them through a photograph or a painting. Like, they're there. And so we can't change that, but we can change our expression of the experience. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Anything you wanted to share today that we haven't talked about um, 
or that you since feel like someone needs to hear? Yeah. I mean, I'll say as far as the like piece of, you know, so, so how do we use positive psychology or some of this, this science that we are aware of to, to thrive in life when things are really difficult. And I think it's, I don't know if you've talked about this before, but like, you know, we are, we are hardwired from survival from, you know, Cro-Magnon area, era to, to remember what is difficult and hard and you know, for lack of a better word, uh, negative in our lives. And Mm -hmm. that is, you know, they, we say that we are, and and what is good kind of just slides right off of us. So we (laughs) don't pay attention to it. And it has a very short shelf life of things that are going well in life. So we say that we are Velcro for what's shitty, (laughs) you know, like the, it sticks to you and we are Teflon, like nonstick pan for what is, good. And so the reason why we, why, you know, we teach positive psychology is to say like, how do we prioritize what's good, look for what's good, pay attention to what's good on those days when we feel shitty, because it's really easy to feel shitty. Like that's not, not a problem. None of us have a problem with that. (laughs) Right. Like (laughs) it's a skill we all have. And to actually say it is harder to remember and focus and look, and this is our, this is our genetic wiring, right? Like if we knew which berries were the poisonous ones, if we remember that we would live. If we knew where the tiger lived and hung out, we stayed away from that. Like the place where we laughed, you know, with our brethren, like that's, that's not where we paid attention to. Yeah. We were focused (laughs) on the, the vigilant version. And so we do different things in positive psychology that I think photography is really beautifully made for. And one is that is a savoring piece of savoring what's good in life and also like a, a three good things practice. So I like, I gave you those three good things cards when we were in Sedona and it's a practice um, that is of looking for three specific good things that happened in your day. So, mm-hmm. because if I tell you, you know, tell me 10 bad things that happened in your day, like it's very easy to come up with that. And when you first start the three good things practice, it takes a little time to actually like, I really can only think of all the things that went wrong. And, um, and then you start to remember them and savor them and they, they build your resilience because they stay with you longer. This is mm. this practice of prioritizing what's good and then savoring it so that it, it, it counteracts that Velcro, uh, bit. And then, so with the, with photography, I'll just give your people like a fun exercise of one thing that we do in the life East is like, go back through your camera roll of your phone for like the last year or whatever period of time that you, you know, you, you want to choose. It could be a month. It could be three months, it could be a season year. I have everyone do a year. And this was born out of, you know, 2021 when we'd been through the pandemic and to go back through and say like, put us heart on the photos that where you were joyful and where you had a new adventure or new experience or where you felt connected to people you love, or, mm-hmm. you know, like a, we have a bunch of prompts and, you know, pick out like seven photos from, we take like 4,000 photos in a year <laughs> right? and people come out of that, like 
oh my God, like we paint our lives with this like brushstroke of like, it's all bad. It's all whatever. And when you, when you look back at your camera roll of these moments from this time period, you're like, oh my gosh, I was happy. I did feel connected. I did feel love. And you, you prioritize what's good and you, you savor it. Longer. I love that. So that's one of our favorite, favorite exercises in there to, to really look at your life through this life feast lens. I love it. So, 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 so good. Okay. So how do people find you and, um, get more of the Lizzie action or join the life feast? Yeah. So you can, I'm on Instagram a lot at Lizzie LaRock, L-I-Z-Z-I-E-L-A-R-O-C-K. And I, the, my website is thelifefeast.com. I, I should say it comes from a Derek Walcott poem because it comes from poetry. Uh, and you can download my photo walk guide for free. So over 12,000 people have downloaded this photo walk guide for finding the joy in the everyday through this creative lens of photography. So, you'll oh my see gosh. And I don't know about Lizzie, but send me your pictures when you do this photo walk. <laughs> I want to know. Definitely <laughs> tag me your photos of ceilings that Amanda is now sending. You'll, you'll see there's a prompt in there and there's a video that goes with it explaining how to do all these quirky, um, exercises that I give and it's completely free, but, um, yeah, that Amanda sends them to me. I'm like, you just, you just made my day and I mean yeah, it. I love it. I love it. So people might good. give you side-eye glances, but you just, you know, people like to say, Oh, my photography teacher made me do it. <laughs> like, okay, there you go. It's a great, practice in letting people have their thoughts and feelings. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. This has been super fun. I knew it would be um an awesome addition to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah. I I I really it's very meaningful to to be here to empower your listeners. So, I love I that. Where what you already do. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. And as always, please consider sharing, rating, and reviewing this podcast. It helps me reach a wider audience and invites more people to thrive after abortion. If you're someone who chose abortion and find yourself struggling, hiding, or wishing you could move beyond your experience, head over to my website and book a free call. We'll talk about how you can start living the life you made your choice for.